Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. I'm looking forward to bringing the last message in our Road to Easter series. We're talking about Jesus as our sacrifice. This morning, I was um, eating breakfast, as I usually do every morning when I plan my schedule well. And uh, I, was, I was sitting there with my wife, Cecile, and she said to me, Babe, because after all... Um, <laughs> She said, I am so excited to hear the message this morning. And I was like, why is that? And she said, because it's not your story. It's God's story. And she said, I am so excited to tell that story and hear that story. How about you today? Are you excited to hear the story? Maybe you've heard it many, many times before, and sometimes when we hear something many, many times, we lose the excitement of it. We lose the depth of what it really means. But I want to encourage you this morning to pretend like you've never heard this story before, if you have heard it before. Have you ever wished you knew the future? (laughs) Many times I see some nods. Maybe maybe there's a major decision you need to make and you're like, I wish I knew the future. Maybe it's about marriage. I wish I knew who I was going to marry. Or maybe I wish I knew where I was going to school. Or maybe I wish I knew what the stock market would do next. That would be useful, wouldn't it? (laughs) These prophecies we're talking about around the life of Jesus, they are God's glimpses into the future for Jesus' life and for the salvation of humanity. The the interesting thing about prophecies is that often they don't unfold the way we expect. Often they catch us by surprise. They caught the people in the Bible by surprise as well. You just got to look at the story of Easter and you discover that even the religious leaders did not expect the prophecies to be fulfilled the way they were. God doesn't often show us the future. What he usually does is he asks us to trust him and walk day by day, moment by moment in faith with him. So today is Palm Sunday, and this is the Sunday right before Jesus died on the cross. We're going to explore some of the prophecies that took place on Palm Sunday and during that week, and we're going to marvel at who God is and what God did in the person of Jesus. You ready for that? So here we go, Matthew 21. Jesus is the true king. That's what we discover in these first seven verses I'm about to read. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, that's Jesus and his disciples, and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, 
Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. No one had texted Jesus and said, By the way, I have a donkey and a colt waiting for you. (laughs) This is because Jesus saw what God wanted him to see. He knew that this was about to happen. He saw it prophetically. And he said, untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, in other words, someone will, you shall say, (laughs) the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, that's Zechariah, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, Jerusalem, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. This was prophesied in Zechariah 9 verse 9, that the promised Messiah... This person that we've been talking about for several weeks now, this king of Israel, this deliverer that the Jewish people were waiting for with bated breath, was going to come to Jerusalem riding on a donkey. We discover here that Jesus is that king riding into Jerusalem that day. Why a donkey, though? Why a donkey? You know, Lots of people rode on donkeys back at this time. It wasn't the butt of jokes (laughs) that we would use it as today. It was a common mode of transportation. I want to take you, some of you are just getting that, but um, I'm going to take you to those two verses or to two verses in Zechariah 9 because I want you to hear the original that Matthew is paraphrasing. He says, Zechariah says prophetically, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Listen to this. Righteous and having salvation is he. That's Jesus. Righteous and having salvation. Jesus was bringing salvation to the Jews as he entered, and to us as he entered into Jerusalem that day. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I want you to understand something that the the whole donkey thing, Jesus riding in on a donkey, though it does speak somewhat to humility, and we can draw that out of it, There's something else going on. There's another reason why this king is described as humble. This king is described as humble because he comes completely dependent on God to accomplish his will through him. Jesus does not come riding on a war horse to defeat his enemies. He does not come blowing a trumpet and telling everybody, I'm about to save you, watch me do it. He comes unassuming, with great confidence, riding on a donkey, waiting for God to do what God had promised to do, which which happens in verse 10 of Zechariah 9. So Jesus comes, this king comes into Jerusalem on the donkey, and how does God, the king of the universe respond he says i will 
So the king is going to do this. Jesus is going to do this. But listen to what God does. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. And he, this is the king, Jesus, shall speak peace to the nations. And his rule shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. God says he will do that. All Jesus did was get the donkey, sit on it, and ride into Jerusalem and trust his father to do the rest. Jesus was humble because he was totally dependent upon his father to accomplish what he had said. Because if his father did not accomplish what he had said, he was lost. He was riding to not only his death... But that would be the end of it all if his father did not do what his father had promised. His father was going to raise him from the dead. It didn't look like Jesus was coming victorious into the city of Jerusalem because he was about to be crucified. It looked like the plan was not working. But God had promised Jesus that he was going to establish him as the true king, ruling over the entire earth from the river to the ends of the earth. That was God's promise to him, and Jesus was counting on it. And Matthew tells us that Jesus is the king that Zechariah prophesied about. The crowds respond to these events that are unfolding in front of them. It's really interesting to see how they respond. Matthew 21, 8 through 11. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee. This is why it's called Palm Sunday. They were waving palm branches. They were laying them on the ground in front of Jesus. And they were putting their coats down on the ground so that Jesus could ride over top of them. I don't know how many of you would want to put your coats on the ground knowing that a donkey and a colt were riding over them (laughs) and all of the disciples, they, they were responding with extravagant honor to Jesus and they were quoting, they were shouting words from a prophetic psalm about the Messiah. From Psalm 118, verse 26, they were crying out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna means save. They were calling Jesus the son of David. And then they were crying out, save. And that is exactly what Jesus was about about to do. But I want you to see this. Jesus was in control of choosing the donkey. He was in control of deciding that he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. But he was not in control of what the crowd would shout. But yet God saw it, declared it, Hundreds of years before, he said, these are the words that they will speak. 
Save now, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God was unfolding his purpose and his plan. No one was going through the crowd saying, now would be a great time to quote Psalm 118. (laughs) That wasn't what was going on. God is sovereign and he was fulfilling his purpose. Next we see that Jesus is the true priest. He goes down into the temple. He enters the temple in verse 12 of Matthew 21, and he drives out all who sold and bought in the temple. He overturns the tables of the money changers, the seats of those who sold pigeons, and he said this to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were mightily ticked. (laughs) And they said to him, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethlehem and lodged there. The, the, the chief priests were angry because Jesus had publicly rebuked them. He had publicly brought embarrassment to them because he had cleansed the temple. They should have done it. They should have known that what was taking place in that temple was not what God wanted. But they could not perceive it. And so Jesus, the true priest, goes into his father's house and he cleanses the temple. And then the the lame and the blind, the sick, come to him and he does what God wants the true priest to do. He brings healing to them. In the Old Testament, it was to the priest that you went to be cleansed. And he made a mess. That was a big problem. And he came into the temple acting like he owned the place. I wonder why. And then the crowd and the children continually cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. And Jesus points out that even the children, even the children were fulfilling prophecy from Psalm 8 verse 2 when they declared the praises of God. Jesus is the true priest who cared more about the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven than on being praised by people, than on the opinions of people. He didn't care what the priests were about to say, the chief priests would say to him. He didn't care what people thought about him for going into the temple the way he did and cleansing it. What he cared about more than anything else was the will of his father being done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, my father's house will be a place of prayer. It will be a place where people get healed. It will be a place where people get set free. This is my father's house and everything that is in this house that is not of my father's will needs to get out now. Jesus is the true priest. But not only did Jesus fulfill the prophecies about being the true king 
and the true priest, he fulfilled the prophecies about being the true sacrifice as well. This year, 2021, the Passover feast, the week began yesterday. And it goes until Sunday, this coming Sunday, April the 4th. The first Passover took place in Egypt, for those who may not know. The children of Israel were slaves. They were slaves to the Egyptians. They were forced to do manual labor for them, and they were treated harshly. And God made a promise that he was going to deliver them from slavery. And through a series of plagues that happened, which you may be familiar with, God began to show Pharaoh, who was the greatest king in all the world at the time, that there was a greater king that he needed to bow his knee to. And the final plague was the death of the firstborn. And God warned Pharaoh that this was going to happen if he continued in his rebellion against God and his will to let his people go. And he said that if he didn't, even Pharaoh's firstborn would die. Throughout the entire land of Egypt, they would die. But he warned his people as well, and he said, you need to take a lamb, a lamb for each house, and you need to select that lamb on the 10th day of the month of Nisan. And you need to welcome it into your home. It's got to be a lamb that's without blemish, without fault. You're going to keep it in your home for four days to check it for blemishes. And to grow attached to it, to understand the cost of my redemption. And then you're going to kill the lamb on the 14th day at twilight. And that lamb, the blood of that lamb will be put on the doorposts and lintel of your homes. And when the angel of death sees the blood of the lamb, it will pass over your home and you will be spared God's judgment. And all of that was a prophetic picture of what Jesus would do. And during the week of Easter, Jesus was fulfilling those prophetic pictures as well in amazing detail. Jesus is the true sacrifice because Jesus entered into Jerusalem on that donkey on the same day that they selected the Passover lamb. And they would select a symbolic lamb, the priests would, and they would parade it through the streets, down through the streets of Jerusalem, up to the temple, where they would leave the lamb on display for four days to be examined for blemishes, to determine if it was a worthy sacrifice for the sin of the people. And so Jesus rides in to Jerusalem on the 10th day of Nisan. And three years earlier, you may remember that John the Baptist said something. He said to his disciples, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, Jesus didn't just ride into Jerusalem as the king. He didn't just ride into Jerusalem as the priest. He rode into Jerusalem as the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. And where did Jesus go right after he rode through those gates? It says he rode through the gates and up to the temple and into the temple he went. And guess how many days 
Jesus went to the temple to teach and to proclaim the kingdom of God four days because he was the Lamb of God. And guess what happened during those four days? The religious leaders tested him, examined him, tried to find fault with him, but they could not find anything in Jesus that they could condemn him for death. Four days in the temple. And then he was betrayed because that's the only way they could think of. We can't catch him in his words, so we're going to have to find another way to arrest him. So Judas betrays him. And as he's standing before Pilate and before Herod, the Bible prophesies that like a sheep before its shearers, it was silent, is silent. So Jesus was silent as he was accused by the religious leaders and they could find no fault in him. And it wasn't until they had exhausted every effort to try and trap Jesus. They got false witnesses to testify against Jesus. The testimonies did not agree. And finally, they, they were frustrated and they said, Jesus, tell us if you are the Christ. And knowing that they couldn't find any fault in him because he was the spotless lamb of God who had been sent to take away the sin of the world, he uttered the words that he knew would guarantee that they would have grounds to put him to death. He said in response to that question, I am the Christ. And that's where Jesus was condemned as deserving of death. And even Pilate and even Herod declared that they could find no fault in him. Um, Pilate said it, I find no guilt in this man. After examining him before you, behold, I do not find this man guilty of any of the charges against you, neither did Herod. Nothing deserving of death has been done by him, but guess what? Each one of us are deserving of death. Because the Bible says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. And every one of us stand condemned, deserving to die before a holy God. But the Lamb of God rode into Jerusalem that day, not just to pay the penalty, not to just be the sacrifice for sin for the Jews, but to be the sacrifice for sin for the entire world. And while the Passover lambs were being sacrificed that year, Jesus hung on a cross and poured out his blood and gave his life so that we could have our sin not just covered for another year, because that's what happened with the Passover lamb. Every year they had to be sacrificed, but not this sacrifice, not this Passover lamb. Jesus Christ gave his life once for all, for all time. He became our sacrifice. Listen to the next verse in Psalm 118, right after, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because that's what they, they cried out to Jesus as he went into, the, into Jerusalem. Listen to the next verses. The next verse. The Lord is God. And he has made his light to shine upon us. Listen to this. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. 
And that is exactly what they did with Jesus. They took the Passover lamb. They didn't know that's who he was, but they took him and they nailed him and bound him to the horns of the altar called the cross. And there his blood was poured out for us. And there forgiveness was provided for all people for all time. And this is why in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, Paul makes this statement. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And when we place our faith in this Passover lamb, when we rely upon the sacrifice of this Passover lamb, the judgment for sin passes over us. It passed over us and it landed on Jesus who bore the sin of the world because 2 Corinthians 5 says this, that he who knew no sin, that's Jesus, the unblemished lamb of God, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that powerful? That's, that's what Jesus has done. So my first question for you this morning is this. Have you put your faith in Jesus as your Passover lamb? Have you looked to Jesus as the one, the only one who can take away your sin? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that God is no longer holding our sin against us because of what Jesus did. Isn't that amazing? As soon as we place our faith in him and we say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away not just the sin of the world, but my sin. When we make that declaration, when we put our faith in him, our sin is washed away. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. He blots out our sin. Though our sin is like scarlet, he makes it as white as wool. All of these pictures in scripture are pointing to the fact that God eradicates our sin when we place our faith in Christ as our Passover lamb. And maybe you're ready. Maybe you're ready this morning to do that. And if so, I want to help you to express your faith in Jesus as your Passover lamb. Whether you're viewing online right now, or you're in this room, if that's you, if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, would you just bow your head, close your eyes for a moment? I'm going to lead you in a prayer to express your faith in Christ as your sacrifice. Heavenly Father, you can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be my Passover lamb. I put my faith in him and I declare that he is the Lamb of God who takes away my sin. Forgive me and receive me as your child. I choose to serve Jesus as my King. Amen. Amen. If that was your heart cry this morning, you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and your sin has been washed away. 
And if you did that in this room today, I want to encourage you to let someone know before you leave because we want to help you. Let an usher know. Let one of the leaders know. We want to help you or somebody that you came with, if they know Christ, let them know. And if you're viewing online and you prayed that prayer from your heart, click the live prayer button. Let someone know so that we can pray with you and support you in your journey of faith. Second question. Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe you've already placed your faith in him as your Passover lamb. Here's the question. Is there an area of your life where you are trying to be your own savior? Is there an area of your life where you are relying on your own strength, your own wisdom, your own ability to try and save yourself? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your career. Maybe it's in a relationship that's gone wrong. Maybe it's in some other area, but you are relying on yourself to be your own savior rather than on Jesus. If there is nothing else that you've taken away from this message, I hope you have seen that God can be depended on, that God is sovereign. And when everything else looks like it's against you, if your faith is in Jesus, if your faith is in God, like Jesus' faith was in God as he rode into Jerusalem that day, not relying on his own strength, not relying on his own wisdom, but relying on his Father to fulfill his purpose for him, you can too. Jesus doesn't want to just be the king and savior of our spiritual life, whatever that means, but of our entire life, every area of our life. He knows it down to the little and last detail. That's what these prophecies reveal. And he can be counted on to fulfill his purpose for you. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. But wherever you're at right now, we're going to take 30 seconds and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to us today. Because God does not want us to just be hearers of his word. He wants us to be doers of it, to put it into practice. So let's ask the Holy Spirit right now. In light of what I've heard today, what are you saying to me? Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.